Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. Where are your hosts? I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. Hey, I uh, saw that you put up a Facebook post the other day about uh, asking about... I did. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, hmm, I wonder what this could mean. (laughs) Yeah, go tell the people what happened uh, to you. (laughs) What happened to me? So basically, um, sometimes we pick topics for this show based on something we're interested in or something that somebody has requested or sometimes it's something that we have encountered at Pub Quiz that we get stymied by somewhere along the way. Absolutely. So we had around a couple weeks back that was they played children's TV show theme songs backwards. Yeah. So you had to figure out what show they were talking about. And there were like three or four shows on there that we have never heard never of. heard of before. And also, it would there was a collective groan that went up in the yeah. bar when they said that. Yeah, like <laughs> everyone was like, "Oh man, we're not gonna get this." Yeah, because we're with a bunch of like college kids or yeah. something in there that that don't watch preschoolers television yeah. right now. So anyway, on Facebook, I asked my friends on Facebook. Um, hey, if you have kids or have access to kids, which sure. makes you sound kind of like a kidnapper, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, like what shows do they watch that, you know, what shows do they watch nowadays? And also which ones do you like and which ones do you want to like hurl off a cliff because they drive you like like totally batshit crazy whenever your kid is like, play that again. Yeah. So I had a resounding response. It was, you blew up so fast. So many of you guys were quick to respond. (laughs) And thank you so much because this resulted in me doing like a very super scientific um, and totally foolproof way of determining which current television shows to highlight in this episode. Um, So basically like I went and I tallied everybody's responses and whether they felt really strongly about it one way or the other. Um, And then I went back and I like tracked like what years they were airing and what channels. And then like I picked the ones that had the highest number. Oh my God, bless you. Like I I spent a lot of time on this episode. So I hope you all are just Totally blown away. Um, so basically, like, if, you know, as I'm talking about these things, I, I apologize in advance if, if you start yelling at the podcast that, like, I don't cover an episode or, or a show that yeah. that you totally love and, and this and that. But I, you know, I could only cover so much in a, in a podcast, yeah. you know. Um, and also definitely not covering shows that are like... Um, that we know already, you know, like sure. Sesame street is still on. Please. Curious George is still on. Kids are still watching Arthur. Like, yeah. You know, Ninja Turtles are back. So it's, it's stuff that, that is just like, if you aren't somebody who has a kid, you probably would not know about this show. Exactly. So that's what today is. It's called kids these days, TV in 2019. So before we totally get into um, the television shows, okay. I'm going to talk about the TV parental guidelines. Oh, great. Okay. So they're the television content rating system in the United States. First proposed in December 1996 as a joint effort of Congress, the television industry, and the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. Um, so in response to public concerns about increasingly explicit sexual content, graphic violence, and strong profanity in TV programs, the guidelines went into effect joint. January 1st, 1997 on most major broadcast and cable networks. And it was established as a voluntary participation system with ratings to be determined by the individually participating 
broadcast and cable networks. And the guidelines themselves have no legal force and they are also not used on sports or news programs or during commercials. So um, we have a possibility of six different audience labels here. So TVY is designed to be appropriate for all children. um, So that's thematic elements designed for very young audience, including ages two to six. TVY7 is designed for children ages seven and above, more appropriate for children who have acquired the developmental skills needed to distinguish between make-believe and reality. Oh, okay. Very important. Um, TVG, which is suitable for all ages. So there's little or no violence, mild language, no sexual dialogue, or situations. So like Jeopardy is a great example of TVG. And then there's TVPG. So that contains materials that parents may find unsuitable for younger children. Um, So some inappropriate language, very little sexual content or suggestive dialogue and or violence. So Seinfeld is a good example of TVPG. Great. Okay. And then TV 14, um, some material that parents would find unsuitable for children under 14 years of age, contains crude humor, drug or alcohol use, moderate language, strong violence, intense sexual content, and moderate suggestive themes or dialogue. So um, some TV 14 shows or things like Grey's Anatomy or Scandal, you know what I mean, like the late night primetime broadcast shows. Okay. And then TVMA. So that's designed to be viewed by adults and unsuitable for children under 17. There is dark humor, frequent uses of profanity, intense violence, including blood and gore or strong sexual themes. Um, and so things like most dramas on HBO. Oh, sure. The yeah, Walking yeah. Dead, um, yeah. Russian Doll on Netflix, okay. et cetera. Those are, those are all considered TVMA. But in addition to the audience labels, you also have a content descriptor. Oh. So up to four t- content descriptors can be applied alongside an assigned rating, depending on the kind of suggestive content featured in a program. And they can vary from episode to episode of a program. And these descriptors allow for 44 possible combinations for all the ratings total. So these are the little letters you see under the audience label when you're oh. watching a show. It's called a content descriptor. D is for suggestive dialogue, and they only use that with TVPG or TV14 ratings. Okay. L is coarse or rude language. S is sexual situations. V is violence. And FV is fantasy violence, and that is exclusive to the TVY7 rating. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So those are your content descriptors. Now, so I've categorized the shows I'm going to talk about based on what their audience label would be. Um, so TVY, so that's like preschool, kindergarten, early elementary school would enjoy this show. So first is, okay, technically not a broadcaster cable show. It's this called Classical Baby. Oh, It airs on HBO. It was originally run from 2005 to 2008. I'm talking about it now. Um, it was designed to introduce young children to classical masterpieces of music, art, dance, and poetry. And the series has won four Emmy Awards, including wow. two for Outstanding Children's Program and two for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Uh, the program's premise involves a baby conductor who leads oh. an all-animal orchestra oh, through imaginative renderings of two to three-minute musical pieces, all played in front of an animal audience. That sounds lovely, actually. Yeah. I want to watch that. Each segment features iconic music from some of the world's best-known composers, including Tchaikovsky, Bach, Irving Berlin, Duke Ellington, Johann Strauss, George Bizet, Claude Debussy, and more. Uh, the segments also pay tribute to art, including works by Claude Monet, Juan Miro, uh, Vincent van Gogh, and many others, as well as the dances of choreographers like Martha Graham and George Balanchine. Oh, wow. Um, the show also incorporates poetry um, by like Langston Hughes, Gertrude Stein, Robert Frost, et cetera, oh et cetera. Um, so the show originally aired from 2005 to 2008, but in 2017, they released two new lullaby-themed episodes. So in my mind, that makes it current. Sure. And several friends suggested this as a, as a good show oh, for their really? little ones. Okay. So 
Classical Baby. Uh, uh, I kind of want to watch. You kind of want to watch Classical Baby. <laughs> you want to drink a bottle of wine and go home yeah. and watch Classical Baby. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like a sophisticated cultural experience, baby. <laughs> All right. Next up is another thing that's a little unconventional because it's on YouTube. Oh, okay. but it's called Little Baby Bum. Bum, bum, like like, like homeless. A bum. Oh, oh, like a butt, like a butt. Oh, okay, little right. baby bum. Oh, I, I guess it could be homeless. I don't know. <laughs> is it a homeless? Is it about a homeless baby? I, I uh. <laughs> so, uh, so little baby bum is a YouTube channel that specializes in 3D animation videos of both traditional nursery rhymes and their own original children's songs. So, little baby bum was created by Derek and Canis Holder. Um, it was bought in 2018 though by a firm called Moonbug for an undisclosed sum. Oh. Um, so, their first video, Twinkle. Twinkle Little Star was uploaded to YouTube in August 2011. And then they started releasing more and more and then some compilation videos that were like an hour long, uh, oh mainly God. so parents wouldn't have to keep hitting the play button. Oh, on sure. Videos. Yeah. And with over 2.1 billion views, Little Baby Bum's Wheels on the Bus plus lots more story nursery rhymes, 54 minutes compilation is the 25th most viewed video of all time. What? The second most viewed non-music video of all time and the first non-music video to reach 1 billion views. Are you? <laughs> wow. Parents are desperate to get their kids <laughs> to just sit still for an hour. Wow. So there are lots of lots of friend parents of infants and toddlers suggested this as like good screen time. So little baby bum on YouTube. Little baby bum. Okay. Now we're going to get a little more into um, like network e shows. Sure. So first, and we've we've heard of this one. Oh, okay. Uh, we have Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. It's on PBS Kids. Okay. Um, it's been on from 2012 to the present. It is based on the neighborhood of Make Believe from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, think back to your own experience with Mr. Rogers and the neighborhood of Make Believe. And this is like the next generation of residents in the neighborhood. Uh, so the series centers around Daniel Tiger, who is the son of Mom Tiger and Dad Tiger. Um, the series also features other children of the characters from the neighborhood of Make Believe, like Katerina Kitty Cat, who is the daughter of Henrietta Pussycat, uh, Miss Elena, who's the daughter of Lady Elaine Fairchild and Music Man Stan, O the Owl, who is the nephew of X the Owl, uh. and Prince Wednesday, who is King Friday and Queen Sarah Saturday's youngest son and also the little brother of Prince Tuesday. Uh, the show is typically made up of two 11-minute segments linked by a common socio-emotional theme, such as disappointment or anger or being uh. thankful and appreciative. And the theme also uses strategy songs to reinforce the theme and help children remember the life lessons. The show is targeted at preschool age children who should be able to gain some emotional intelligence and human respect from the episodes. Oh, so sweet. Daniel Tiger's content follows a curriculum based on Fred Rogers teaching and new research into child development. Um, every single person loves this show. Like <laughs> um, this had the most recommendations on, again, my very highly scientific data capturing method on Facebook. So everybody likes Daniel Tiger. Oh and gosh. if you watch Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, like you like you see the themes and you see the connections sure. between the two. Yeah. So, wow. That one. Great. PBS Kids. Also on PBS Kids, we have a show called Peg and Cat. Okay. So here's the, here's the theme to Peg and Cat. Hi. So it's based the on the children's book, The Chicken Problem by Billy Aronson and Jennifer Oxley, which was published in 2012. Okay. 
Okay. The show is targeted to children between three and five, and the goal is to inspire preschoolers' natural curiosity about math and help them develop new skills and strategies for solving <laughs> problems creatively in their daily lives. I'm which sorry. is marketing speak for learning numbers. <laughs> a preschooler's natural curiosity about math. Yeah. I, as a former preschooler myself, I don't think I had a natural curiosity about math, but you know. I too attended preschool. <laughs> um, so, in keeping with the math theme, the animation is presented as if it were drawn on graph paper. And a young girl named Peg is the main character, and she's a talking cat named, well, Cat. Okay. Um, Peg wears a red hat and a blue dress, and she explains the situation in each episode directly to the camera and announces mm-hmm. when they have a big problem and reasons you know, out the solutions to math-related problems. And when a math problem is solved, Peg, Cat, and the others sing, problem solved, the problem is solved, we solved the problem, problem solved. So you're going to see problem solving as a big (laughs) recurring theme (laughs) in a lot of these TVY shows that we're going to talk about here. Mm. Okay, next up, you have Super Y. Super Y, W-H-Y, exclamation point. Oh, okay. Wow. This has like um, like an early Chicago sound. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Um, so Super Y is set in a magical world called Storybook Village, where the title character, Wyatt Beanstalk, lives with his friends, Pig, Red, and Princess P. In each of the episodes, either Wyatt or the other main characters have a super big problem to solve. Oh, okay? Super Y. Um, once the problem is discussed in their book club... They all get together and have a book club. Uh, Wyatt states, when we have a question, we look in a book. And Princess P casts a magic spell to summon the appropriate book, which then descends from the shelves. Uh, Wyatt, who invites the audience to read along, summarizes the problem faced by the book's characters and draws a parallel to the problem that the super readers are having themselves. (laughs) Um, They change to their super identities and fly into the storybook where they try to solve the storybook problem. By overcoming various obstacles in the story, they're rewarded with red glittery super letters. (gasps) The super letters are then uploaded into the super duper computer. eventually forming the word or words that make up the solution to their super big problem. The viewer is encouraged to look for super letters throughout the story and to identify them when they appear. And at the end of the episode, the super letters are put onto the giant computer screen and are spelled out to show the super story answer. After the problem is solved, Wyatt shouts out, hip hip hooray, the super reader saved the day. And then they all sang a song. This sounds complicated. <laughs> they got a book club. First, you have to fly into the book. And then you have to talk to the people in the book and figure out what problem they're having. And then you get to fly along and find, you have to earn a red super letter. Then enter it into the super duper computer. <laughs> like the, the, the pitching at PBS or whatever. I'm surprised this got greenlit. Honestly, they're like, um, can uh, we uh, eliminate some put, steps? Where do they put the letters once they figure um, them? <laughs> right here. In the into this com- com- super, super duper computer. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did not prepare for this presentation. <laughs> so, super Y um, aired mainly from 2007 to 2016, but it's like still in reruns. And the oh, last sure. time I babysat somebody, I had to show this show. So, oh, okay. I, so it's still in the, it's still, in the it's still happening. Okay. Um, also on PBS Kids, we have Nature Cat. So this was a Learned League answer last year, I think. So Nature Cat series follows Fred, a house cat with dreams of exploring outside. Once his family leaves for the day, he transforms into Nature Cat. 
who cannot wait for backyard nature excursions. However, Fred has one problem. He has no instincts for nature. Through the learning experiences of the characters, the series intends to encourage children to similarly engage with and develop understanding of nature. So the four main characters are Nature Cat, also known as Fred, voiced by Taryn Killam. Oh, hey! Hal the Dog, voiced by Bobby Moynihan. Oh, yeah! Daisy the Bunny, who's Kate McCucci, and Squeaks the Mouse, who is voiced by Kate McKinnon. Oh, my gosh. And there are lots of SNL alums that deal with this show. So... You know, it's kind of cute. You learn about nature. You learn not to be such a scary cat about stuff. It's good. Hmm. Also on PBS Kids Y7, you have Wild Kratz. Wild Kratz? Wild Kratz. K-R-A-T-T-S. Okay. So this was created by Chris and Martin Kratz, um, who are like two guys that love animals. And they've had like a whole bunch of shows on PBS before. I've heard of them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So Wild Kratz's aim is to educate children about biology, zoology, and ecology and teach kids small ways to make big impacts. So it has ties to the Kratz previous show, Zaboomafu, and they also did Kratz Creatures back back in the oh, day that too. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, I know that my brothers watched that. Um, and it contains many of the same characters as Zubumafu. Uh, so the basic plot of an episode is to save an animal or animals under threat. Um, oh. So be, be it by villains, general human influence, or confusion on a baby animal's part. Um, some episodes aim to change the way a creature is perceived. Um, like you might think like a crocodile is very scary or like bats are going to come attack you. Sure. And so they like aim to kind of change how people think about them. Oh, that's great. Uh, and the Krat brothers are helped by Aviva, a programmer who invents creature power suits to help the brothers achieve their goals. So the power suits are created to mimic abilities of animals and aid in defeating the villains. So they kind of like get in this power suit and they kind of turn into the animal to kind of like interact with them and then deal with, you know, whatever issue they're having and save them from things. So yeah, again, a lot of problem solving. So much problem solving. (laughs) TVY7 is mainly problem solving. Yeah, that's what that's what toddlers need. They yeah. need to learn how to problem solve. <laughs> also on PBS Kids? <laughs> because isn't that like really what we watched Yeah, I mean, up? that's all I watched was PBS. I watched, I watched PBS. I watched, um, we had Disney for like one year yeah, and then it same. was like premium cable. So we didn't have that anymore after that. But mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Nickelodeon. I didn't really learn much from Nickelodeon. Yeah, but same. other than like how to be awesome. That's true. Yeah, we watched, Sarah and I watched a lot of Nick. We watched a lot of TV land for some reason. Okay. Which is why I have a weird encyclopedic knowledge of old TV shows like My Mother the Car. And, <laughs> and like, um, what did we also really, really like? Uh, give me a break. Oh, man, give me a break. That was a good one. Uh huh. Um, yeah, like The Munsters. Oh, yes. And uh, um, Mr. Ed. Bewitched. Mr. Ed. Yeah, I Dream Bewitched. of Jeannie. Yep. Flipper. Oh, my God, Flipper. Lassie. Saturday morning. Yeah, Lassie. Ugh. Yeah. So, again, also PBS Kids, we have Odd Squad. Okay. So, Odd Squad features actual child actors. Oh, really? um, So, their characters are employees of the entirely children-run Odd Squad, who use indirect reasoning and basic math skills to solve and investigate strange happenings in oh their gosh. town. The series is a general satire of the police procedural and spy fiction genres and uses humor to teach the audience basic math skills and math-related topics. Um, So the names of the employees, with one exception, always start with the letter O. Um, Agents are typically assigned cases by their boss, Miss O, and they travel via a system of interconnected 
tubes to get to their destinations. <laughs> they deduce the solution to a problem or how to detain the perpetrator by using basic mathematical principles that are mm. typically the focus of the episode. Sometimes they have to go back to their precinct's headquarters or to the math room. Oh, no. A sentient space that communicates through large paper fortune tellers what? and can unfold them to display information to help the agents see connections better solve their case. What? So, like... What did yeah. we call it? We called them paper fortune tellers. I know there's like Some another word. Cootie, cootie catchers. catchers. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh al- my gosh. Along with math, agents also use gadgets designed by the scientists. Okay. All right. The seal of the odd squad headquarters depicts a jackalope holding a shield in front of it that also bears an image of the seal on the shield that the jackalope is holding. So this is what is known as the Drost effect, D-R-O-S-T-E. So the Drost effect, also known in art as mise en a beam, is the effect of a picture recursively appearing within itself. So in a place where a similar picture would realistically be expected to appear. So like in high school, when you had a textbook that had like smiling kids on it holding a textbook that they were also on, holding a smaller smaller textbook. Yeah, Yeah, that is called the Drost effect. Oh, good to know. Yes. Um, also on PBS Kids right now is Caillou, which has been on TV for like, I don't know, decades at yeah. this point. And everybody hates it. So I have a question. Why do people hate Caillou? Okay. He's, he's bald A, child. he's super annoying and okay. whiny and like he never does anything right. Oh, okay. And he, you don't learn anything from no, him. He's just bald around when he's really annoying. Isn't he Caillou? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he French or French Canadian? Um, I think like he's that? Canadian. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So nobody likes Caillou, and I'm not going to talk about him Great anymore. Dumb. I just want you I to know care. he's still on TV. Jeez. All right. But a good one. On Disney, you get Doc McStuffins. Oh, yeah. People love Doc McStuffins. Yes. So series chronicles six-year-old Dottie, Doc McStuffins, who wants to become a doctor like her mother, who is a pediatrician. Um, she practices her dream by fixing toys and dolls. And when she activates her magic stethoscope, she can create a variety of supernatural effects including traveling through time. Her most regular use of it in the show is to cause toys, dolls, and stuffed animals to come to life. And they're able to move, speak, hear, see, and smell, and she can interact with them, you know? That was my dream as a child. Yeah. That was all I ever wanted. I wished that more than anything that I could make my stuffed animals come to life. And the fact that Doc McStuffins was not on TV when I was was young is a heartbreak that I will never get over. Yeah, so she started in 2012, still okay. to the present, still airing um, new episodes. And so, again, she can, she's a toy doctor, and mm-hmm. she can make her things come to life. So with help from her stuffed friends, including Stuffy the Dragon, oh. Hallie the Hippo, Lammy the Lamb, and Chili oh. the Snowman, Doc helps toys to recover or feel better by giving them checkups and diagnosing their fictional illnesses with an encyclopedia called The Big Book of Boo-Boos. Oh, <laughs> So, yeah. Um, also, I mean, notably, um, Doc McStuffins, um, she's a little African-American girl. Oh, and yeah. so that's like, I mean, it's like, it's a really cool, like, show that she mm-hmm. has. And, like, they don't make a big deal that she's black. And, like, yeah. you don't have, to, like, and you wonder why we haven't had, you know, like black children of color lady as, role models in yeah. children's cartoon shows before like yeah. that. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and the Strong Museum has a traveling Doc McStuffins exhibit running now through the end of May. Oh, well, good to know. FYI. Keep that in mind, everyone. Um, also on Disney, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which was um, 2006 to 2016. So um, oh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse <laughs> is an interactive computer animated children's television series. And it was also Disney's first computer animated series. Oh, really? 
you know. Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, Pluto, and a mechanical assistant mousecatool called Toodles. Toodles, the mousecatool. Toodles, the mousecatool. Interact with the viewer to solve problems during each episode's story. So Disney says that each episode has the characters help children solve a specific age-appropriate problem utilizing basic math skills, such as identifying shapes and counting up to 10. So it's not like these problems are not like solve world hunger, kids. <laughs> you know, like... It's They're like, how do I get my cookies off the counter? Yeah, okay. That's good problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> so the show, um, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, features two original songs performed by They Might Be Giants. What? Including the opening theme song in which a variant of a Mickey Mouse Club chant Miska Muska Mickey Mouse is used to summon the clubhouse. Um, they Might Be Giants also performs the song used at the end of every show called Hot Dog, which echoes Mickey's first spoken words in the 1929 short, The Carnival Kid, wow. with carnival spelled with a K. Of course. yeah. So Hot Dog is the, <laughs> the closing sh- song. So two of the songs from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse are performed by They Might Be Giants. Well, wow, good to know. The successor to that, uh, Mickey and the Roadster Racers, has been on from 2017 to the present. So this is a spinoff of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It is a series about the sensational six, um, who are Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, Daisy, and Pluto, as they race around their town of hot dog hills and around the world. <laughs> They're really leaning into that hot dog thing, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. So Mickey and the Roadster Racers is what's on TV now. Okay. Um, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse was 2006 to 2016. I see. Also in Disney, you have a, a lovely little show called Fancy Nancy. Oh, I've heard of Fancy Nancy. She loves being fancy. She loves being fancy. So um, it's been on from 2018 to the present. It is based on the books of the same name by Jane O'Connor. And the show follows a day in the life of Nancy, a little girl who adores everything fancy. Um, six-year-old Nancy Clancy enjoys fancy and French things, including creative elaborate attire, as she plans to teach some fanciness to her ordinary family and her friends. So um, her parents are voiced by Allison Hannigan and Rob Riggle, which is, you know, fun. Yeah, so if you actors. tune into some fancy Nancy, you can um Fancy can, Nancy Clancy, which I, Nancy I Clancy. really need to put a, yeah. a real emphasis on that her foolish parents <laughs> named her Nancy Clancy. Just saying. <laughs> I mean their names are probably like Yancey and <laughs> I don't know Delancey. Delancey. <laughs> Delancey and Yancey Fancy. Another good show on Disney right now is Vampirina. What? So this has been on from 2017 to the present. It is based on the Vampirina Ballerina series of books written by Anne-Marie Pace. So Vampirina follows the story of Vampirina, or V, Hauntley, who becomes the new kid on the block after she and her family move from Transylvania to Pennsylvania oh to open a local bed and breakfast called the Scare B&B for visiting ghouls and goblins. Oh my gosh. So the Hauntley family have to learn to do things the Pennsylvania way, oh, sure, especially yeah. when V is at school. So um, she is a cute little vampire girl with like bat pigtails oh, and her that's... skin is blue and she has two fangs and everybody else around her just looks like, just like normal a regular children. person. But um, yeah, Vampirina, apparently it's very charming and well, it sounds like it. Yeah. And her parents on that show are voiced by Lauren Graham and James Vanderbeek. Oh, hey. So... You know, if your sitcom gets canceled, you know, you know where to go. You know where to go. Yeah. Disney kids. Yeah. Uh, another super popular thing on Disney is PJ Masks, which okay. I'm sure you have heard of by now. Masks like PJ like, Masks. Like, M-A-S-K-S. Yeah. Like yeah. Face so cards. it is um, 
based on a series of books called Les Pyjamasques um, by Romuald Rocchiopo. Um, so Les Pyjamasques uh, appears to be a portmanteau of the French words for pajamas and masks. Um, so Connor, Amaya, and Greg are three six-year-olds, but when night falls, they become the superhero team, the PJ Masks, in order to fight villains such as Romeo, Luna Girl, and Night Ninja, Uh-oh. in order to keep them from ruining other people's days. Oh, yeah. That's- so their catchphrase when planning to go fight their enemies is, PJ Masks, we're on our way into the night to save the day. And their base is hidden in a totem-like structure in the park, which also houses a crystal that grants them their abilities. What? When the villains are defeated, their victory catchphrase is, PJ Masks, I'll shout hooray, because in the night we saved the day. Wow. Yay. Yay. Um, I've seen a lot of people have, like, kids' birthday parties oh, centered really? around PJ Masks. Okay. So... It's, you know, if you're walking down the aisles of Party City, I'm sure you can catch some of that there. I mean, I only know one toddler. And the only thing... <laughs> Doesn't watch television. Well, no, he does. And the only two things that he loves, seems that he loves, is uh, Thomas the Tank Engine mm-hmm. and uh, Frozen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, both things that I am familiar with, but clearly, I, he's, not, he's not watching anything. That's he's not like watching all these other TVY yeah. shows. Um, one that was on Nickelodeon from 2011 to 2016 is Bubble Guppies. I have heard of Bubble Guppies. It's a very catchy song. Um, it revolves around the underwater adventures of a group of merperson preschoolers (laughs) named Gil, Molly, Dima, Gobi, Una, and Nani, and their pets. Um, so the Bubble Guppies, they live in an underwater city called... Bubble Tucky. Bubble Tucky? And that is just basically why I wanted to include them here. <laughs> Bubble Tucky? Bubble Tucky. Oh, my gosh. And they're mer-persons? Mer mer-person preschoolers. Okay. Yep. And they're... Okay. Yep. The Bubble, bubble Guppies. Paw Patrol. Oh, sure. You've yeah, heard yeah. of Paw Patrol. I That's also a Nickelodeon. Um, it's been on TV since 2013. Yeah, it's like some really good like pop punk music. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, so Paw Patrol focuses on a boy named Ryder who leads a pack of search and rescue dogs known as the Paw Patrol. They work together on missions to protect the shoreside community of Adventure Bay. Each dog has a specific set of skills based on real life professions, including like a firefighter, a police officer, oh, and a sure pilot. Yeah. Uh, they all reside in dog houses that can transform into customized vehicles when necessary. Oh. They're, That's cool. They're <laughs> equipped with backpacks called pup packs that contain tools that relate to their job. So Marshall is the Dalmatian firefighter dog. Makes sense. Rubble is the English bulldog who does construction. <laughs> Chase is a German shepherd cop slash spy dog. Uh, Rocky is a mutt and he is the recycling dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> you sure. Know, I mean, that's Your fine. power is recycling. Um, <laughs> Zuma is a chocolate lab who does water rescues. Sky is a cockapoo pilot. Everest is a Siberian husky snow rescue dog. And Tracker is a bilingual chihuahua and jungle rescue dog. Um, there's a little village people <laughs> quality that I'm getting from this. <laughs> Just like a little bit. Yeah. Of, yeah. Paw Patrol. Yeah. The village people of Nickelodeon. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the show is produced by the Canadian toy company Spin Master, which has developed the show oh. into a media franchise and has released an ongoing line of toys based on it. Sure, yeah. Very successful. That's what everybody did in the 80s was yeah. like Hasbro was like behind most of the kids television shows oh, yeah. in the 80s. It was, it was like, okay, you can develop this idea, but do, can we make toys from it? Exactly. Okay, if we can sell toys from this, then great. Let's go ahead and animate the show. Yeah. 
makes perfect sense. I mean, you just got an automatic vertical on that. Yes. Where it's just toys, TV work. show. We could work in this oh, industry. Oh Easy. my gosh, we could make so much money doing this. All right, another one you have definitely heard of by now um, because it's been on since 2004 is Peppa Pig. Oh, Peppa Pig. It's on Nick Jr. I'm Peppa Pig. She actually snored? Yes. Hello. She's Peppa Pig. This is Daddy Pig. Daddy Pig's going to make a big snort. (laughs) And everybody laughs. Um... So uh, Peppa is an anthropomorphic female pig and she has like family and friends. Sure. Her hobbies include jumping in puddles, playing with her teddy bear named Teddy, going to play group and playing dress up. Uh, Peppa is four years old. She has a goldfish named Goldie and she wears a red dress. Each <laughs> of her friends is a different species of animal and each of their names begins with the same letter as their species name. So there's like Danny Dog and Pedro Pony and oh, Candy okay. Cat. Her brother George is often holding his toy dinosaur named Mr. Dinosaur. (laughs) Peppa Pig has been in the news lately because apparently American preschoolers are developing some sort of faux British accent from (laughs) hell as a result of watching this show. So like Madonna. Oh, mommy, can you put this in the toaster? Can you get me some puppets? Like a bunch of like little preschoolers like wandering around talking like Peppa Pig. British accent? my god you know what i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just your description but i'm so charmed by this <laughs> like i want a peppa pig as a four-year-old she's cute she seems There's, cute. yeah a lot of people watch this too sure. some people are annoyed by it at, at this point but yeah it's been on since 2004 blaze and the monster machines is also a nickelodeon oh, I don't know changing totally changing uh Gears. direction here um so this has been on from since 2014 so Blaze and the Monster Machines is a CGI animated show that focuses on Blaze, a red monster truck, and what? his smart young driver, AJ. They live in a world that involves, well, many living monster trucks. <laughs> what? Uh, their friends include their truck friends, collectively referred to as the Monster Machines, who their names are like Starla, Stripes, Zeg, Darrington, and Watts, as well as a girl named Gabby, who is a mechanic that can fix anything. Um, each episode also features Crusher, a sneaky blue truck who cheats in races. Uh, Crusher is almost always accompanied by a green car named Pickle, his goofy sidekick <laughs> who always looks on the good side of things. Pickle. Pickle. <laughs> um, so Blaze is Axel City's number one racer, especially with help from his blazing speed that's initiated by saying, let's blaze. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So you should get Thomas into this yeah, show. Yeah, I should get Thomas into this one. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to have to call his mom. Uh, so a couple more of the Y7. Uh, so on CBVs, which is the BBC's like, kids channel cbb's um and i guess in america you can like look it up on youtube um they have a show called number blocks um that's been on from 2017 to the present so it follows the adventures of anthropomorphic block characters in numberland um so the number of blocks that they are determines what number they stand for and a tiny black floating number above them shows how many blocks they're made of and they call that a numberling so um, it's a good way to learn like numbers and adding. Um, okay. So when one of the blocks hops on top of another, they transform into a different character to make a new number. And the show helps toddlers and young kids new learn number skills, such as how to count and do simple math. So right. apparently people like this one. Great. Um, another CBB show that people really like is called Octonauts. 
Um, so this has been on since 2010. I have heard of this, I think. Yeah. It uh, follows an underwater exploring crew made up of stylized anthropomorphic animals, uh, a team of eight adventurers who live in an undersea base called the Octopod, from which they go on undersea adventures with the help of a fleet of aquatic vehicles. Um, so the subject matter is kind of like a mix of like Star Trek and Thunderbirds with like a dash of Jacques Cousteau. Oh, okay. So um, although its technology is fictional, the exotic creatures and locations that the crews encounter are based on real marine animals in their natural habitats. Okay. So each 11 minute episode sees them encountering an unusual but real sea creature as they explore strange underwater worlds. Um, often the octonauts must discover a vital biological or behavioral fact about the creature to rescue it or to save themselves from danger. Wow. I don't want to go under the sea. I'm still scared of the ocean, but <laughs> yeah, me too. The but octonauts, the octonauts they're not scared. You. Yeah. On Amazon, uh, we have a show called Creative Galaxy. So that's been on since um, since 2013, and I think it ended in 2018. So it's a make-along, create-along animated preschool series that takes young viewers along on intergalactic adventures with an alien named Artie and his sidekick Epiphany. Um, in each episode, the duo solves problems using various forms of creativity, so like painting or music or sculpture and cooking, uh, to show how art can be found in all different places in many different forms. Um, the show features interactive stories and live action craft segments that help adults, um, to help recreate the featured projects with their kids. Oh, nice. So it's like a nice turn away from like, let's solve problems with numbers yeah, and exactly. like, how about like, let's do some creative things yeah. and, and learn about art. So yeah, let's that's talk a about soft sciences. That's a popular and, like, gentle one. Things. Yeah. That sounds great. Moving along to Netflix, oh, still boy. in TVY, oh, um, a show called ask the story bots. Ask the story bots? Ask the story bots. So um, this has been on since 2016. It is based on the characters from the story bots educational website and videos. Um, it was created and produced by Jib Jab Brothers Studios and premiered exclusively on Netflix. Come on, guys. Let's go. Yeah. So the story bots are curious little creatures who live in the world beneath our screens. Beneath our screens? Beneath our screens. <gasps> Under our screens. Um, in each episode... Um, Beep, bing, bang, boop, and bow. Wow, we really put a lot of time in <laughs> uh, that. Go on an adventure to the human world to help answer kids' biggest questions. So things like, why is the sky blue? Or why do I need to brush my teeth? Um, they discover their answer at the end of each episode in the form of a musical video. So um, there are a lot of like uh, adult human famous people on the show. Oh, really? So each episode seems to have like a famous guest star. So um, some of them have included people like Jay Leno, um, starring as King Yardstick the Ruler, Kevin Smith <laughs> as Super Mega Awesome Ultra Guy, mm. uh, Whoopi Goldberg as the Tooth Fairy, um, and Snoop Dogg as the operating system, like inside your computer. Oh, okay. Um, and a lot of other famous people. So, That's amazing. Yeah. The show's format allows for different types of segments like music videos, songs, or like, you know, get to go into a place and discover how they make things so um i watched an episode of it it was oh, yeah. very charming um i watched a lot of children's tv in the last week like wow in yeah. preparation for this so you're gonna have to tell me what you like the most yeah oh i'll t yeah, yeah i will tell i mean you can tell yeah when i get to it i'll tell yeah, you yeah. And last but not least, from TVY, which I didn't expect to be TVY, is My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Really? So that's on Netflix now. Um, it's been on from 2010 to the present. So uh, this iteration of it is referred to as the fourth generation of the My Little Pony franchise. Wow. Because if you remember when we were little, there yeah. was My Little Pony on TV. 
So the show follows a studious anthropomorphic unicorn pony named Twilight Sparkle. Twilight Sparkle, yes. As her mentor, Princess Celestia, mm-hmm. guides her to learn about friendships in the town of Ponyville. Twilight and her dragon assistant Spike become close friends with five other ponies. Okay? So these five other main characters are Applejack. Yes, Applejack. Who is a hardworking pony who works on our family's apple farm. Mm-hmm. Rarity, wow. a glamorous unicorn pony with a flair for fashion design. That's I think def- you would be. That's me. I'm that's Rarity. That's you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fluttershy, a shy and timid Pegasus pony who is fond of nature and takes care of animals. Rainbow Dash, a tomboyish Pegasus pony who helps control the weather and aspires to be part of Equestria's famous flying team, the Wonderbolts. And Pinkie Pie, a hyperactive pony who loves throwing parties. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You work hard. You're very pretty. You're very smart. Uh, You like to throw parties. (laughs) (laughs) You're fun. I guess you're fun. Um, each of the ponies represents a different facet of friendship, and Twilight discovers herself to be a key part of the magical artifacts known as the Elements of Harmony. Her friends, in in turn, are honesty, loyalty, laughter, generosity, and kindness, and Twilight Sparkle herself is magic. Oh. The ponies travel on adventures and help others around Equestria while working out problems that arise in their own friendships. So the bad guy in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, is called Nightmare Moon. Oh no. She is the evil sister of Princess Celestia. Oh no. And despite the target demographic of young girls, uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic has also gained a large following of older viewers, mainly yes. young and middle-aged men who call themselves bronies. bronies. Yes. There's a documentary about them. It's called bronies friendship is magic i think <laughs> i'm almost positive and they interview a bunch of bronies from different age groups uh-huh. and that kind of thing and while they are um often reviled because they are like <laughs> low on the totem pole of nerddom like furries are down there yeah. like they are the ones who nerds other nerds like make fun of <laughs> but it's actually such a charming documentary because it's just like these are these are boys and men who maybe grew up in an environment that was a lot of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and they decided that no they wanted they wanted to like enjoy things that were maybe traditionally meant for girls. Yeah. And they wanted to uh you know just kind of like enjoy friendship and love and like loyalty all the things that my little pony these really pretty pink and upon. purple things and glitter and unicorns and they love it and you know what they're really secure in their in their <laughs> selves and their <laughs> their likes and dislikes and you know what bless them bless them Excellent. the bronies bless them oh man um so that was all like uh, that was all that stuff was tvy so that's like for pretty much anybody yeah, but i think like generally a lot of them, especially like the PBS kids ones tend to be a little more younger. Mm-hmm. So like preschoolish, kindergarten, early elementary school. Um, next you have TVY7. So that's supposed to be ages seven and up. So like second grade on, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so first you have the amazing world of gumball on the Cartoon Network. Oh, that sounds awesome. The amazing world of gumball. Um, so this is usually actually has the FV descriptor Ooh, for fantasy that. violence. Oh, work. I'm just into the song. So, Amazing World of Gumball revolves around the lives of Gumball Watterson, who is a 12-year-old blue cat, and his best friend, adoptive brother Goldfish Darwin, who attend middle school in the fictional city of Elmore. So, wait, is he a goldfish? Yes. Gumball is a blue cat. Yes. And um, Darwin is a goldfish. And so is he in a bowl the whole time? No, I think he has legs. Oh. Seems like he walks around. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and... Honestly, if I didn't know he was a goldfish, I wouldn't call him a goldfish. He's got little fins on the side of his head. (laughs) 
And he does have legs, which I, I mean, it's I'm not a biologist. As a, yeah. And he's got arms too. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'll suspend my disbelief. So um, this show is interesting because characters are designed, filmed, and animated using multiple styles and techniques. So sometimes there's traditional animation, sometimes they're puppetry, sometimes CGI, oh, wow. sometimes stop motion animation, live action animation. So um, they frequently find themselves involved in various shenanigans around their city, obviously, um, during which time they interact with Gumball's family members, including his sister Anais, um, and an extended supporting cast of characters, including an 8-bit spider named Ocho, the wow. class clown named Banana Joe, who is just a banana with some eyes okay. popped onto it, um, <laughs> and a peanut with antlers named Penny. So okay. there's, um, it's, uh, there, it's not just like, a world of cats. It's just weird. It's, it's yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird, but That's it's fun. Um, you know, it's a popular show. Great. Also on the Cartoon Network from 2015 to the present is a show called We Bear Bears. Oh yes. Yeah. So B A R E B E A R. Yes. I follow the guy who's the main animator for uh-huh. We Bear Bears on Twitter, and he is the most charming person. <laughs> He's lovely. <laughs> So, yeah, it's about three bear siblings named Grizzly, Panda, and Ice Bear, who are respectively voiced by Eric Edelstein, uh, Bobby Moynihan, and Dimitri Martin, um, as well as their awkward attempts at integrating with the human world in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I watched a couple episodes of this the other night, and I LOL'd a couple times. Did you LOL? Yeah. Uh, The guy, also, I will tell you, since you and I are both fans i'd say of Mabim bam of my brother my brother and me <laughs> peripheral yeah peripheral fans of Mabim bam um he will also do like quick animations of the three brothers okay like parts of the yeah Mabim bam and they are so funny i'm gonna send them to you <laughs> they are so funny they're Great. like maybe 15 seconds long and his drawings of them are perfect oh, <laughs> the one of uh, griffin looks like a teeny little boy it's oh. so cute oh he's so great anyway yeah that's awesome yep so that's we, we bear, bear bears. bears um this one is on disney and it has come up in trivia several times really? in my recent memory it's called gravity falls oh yeah. so this show also usually has the fv descriptor after the tvy7 okay. Um, it follows the adventures of Dipper Pines, who's voiced by Jason Ritter, and his twin sister Mabel, voiced by Kristen Schaal. And they're sent to spend the summer with their great uncle, or Grunkle, Stan, in Gravity Falls, which is a mysterious town full of paranormal forces and supernatural creatures in Roadkill County, Oregon. Oh my god. Um, so, the kids, they help um, Stan run the Mystery Shack, which is the tourist trap there. Oh, sure. Um, and they also investigate the local mysteries of the town. Um, the other main characters are Wendy Corduroy, who's voiced by Linda Cardellini. Um, she's a 15-year-old employee of the Mystery Shack, and Dipper has like a big crush on her. And there's Seuss Ramirez, who is a handyman at the Mystery Shack, who always says, dude. Um, <laughs> and so basically, it's like Twin Peaks for kids. Yeah. And um, it ran from 2012 to 2016, um, and it's still very popular. And again, it has come up a couple of times, several times yeah. in my in my recent memory. Also, not for nothing, Kristen Schaal's voice was built for children's television. <laughs> I mean, left, right, and center is just so good. She's great <laughs> and so funny. I think I like her better when she is playing a cartoon. Yeah, when I then when, when IRL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on Nickelodeon, you have the Loud House. Oh so, boy! Okay, is this going to be really loud? No. Ah! <laughs> um, so it, um, the Loud House, 
evolves around the chaotic everyday life of a boy named Lincoln Loud. Okay. Who is the middle child and the only son in a large family of 11 children. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's set in a fictional town in Michigan called Royal Woods. Um, so he has 10 sisters with distinctive personalities whose names all begin with letter L. Um, Lincoln occasionally breaks the fourth wall to explain to viewers the chaotic conditions and sibling relationships of the household um, and continually devises plans to make his life in the house better. So the series has received considerable media attention and nominations at both the 28th and 29th Glad Media Awards for its inclusion of Howard and Harold McBride, two supporting characters who are an interracial gay married couple. Um, So their introduction to the series was reported in the news as being historic and it caused a rating surge for the show. Oh, wow. So the McBrides are significant as the first married gay couple to be featured in a Nickelodeon animated series. Wow. Um, and their son, Clyde McBride, is Lincoln's best friend. Oh, that's so. Cool. Everyone likes this show. Great. It sounds fun. So my favorite, my favorite out of all the ones I started watching okay. in the last week, <laughs> I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the theme song. Okay. See if, see if, if I know what figure it is. out what I, mm, what this is. Oh my God! It's the Where in the World is Carmen uh, Sandiego? Okay. So Carmen Sandiego has aired on Netflix, like started this se- this year, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, it, it has the FV descriptor also, so it is actually the origin story for the fictional <gasps> thieving villain of the same oh name. My God. And it's the fourth Carmen Sandiego television show after the PBS shows um, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, and the Fox animated series Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. So um, this is the first um, Carmen Sandiego show since nineteen ninety nine. Wow. So, um, Carmen, in this one, she's a modern-day Robin Hood traveling the globe and stealing from Vile, so the Villains International League of Evil, and giving back to its victims. So, Carmen oh, okay. is not the bad guy in this show. She's not stealing, she like, entire countries. She is trying to rescue things that have been stolen by Vile or keeping mm-hmm. things, like, protected from Vile. Um, so, she's publicly perceived as a criminal by most law enforcement agencies um, because, you know, they, they consider her a master criminal because... Uh-huh. Because of the sheer scale and theatricality of her heist. So Carmen is voiced by Gina Rodriguez. Oh, hey. Um, so the actress from Jane the Virgin. And she is supported by characters named Player. Um, that's her hacker friend. And Ivy and Zach, who are ginger twins with wicked Boston accents. <laughs> um, um, it is a delight. And I'm currently like in the eighth episode of the first <laughs> season on Netflix. <laughs> it's very good. I've been hearing very good things about I love that. it. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. So... I'm 34 years old and watching a kid show on Netflix. Nothing it's fine. wrong with that. Nothing it's wrong fine. with it. Another Netflix one I want to bring up just for your reaction, basically. Um, so it's called Pinky Malinky. Pinky Malinky. I have heard of this. Okay. So Pinky Malinky chronicles the adventures of Pinky Malinky, a 12 year old middle school student who happens to be an anthropomorphic hot dog. No, no, absolutely not. Pinky Malinky is not a hot dog. What? <laughs> a yes. hot dog? Uh-huh. An anthropomorphic hot dog. Um, he has two human friends, Babs <laughs> Butman and J.J. Jameson, and it's based on an animated short that was originally created in 2009, and it's airing on Netflix now as a collaboration between Nickelodeon and Netflix. I have questions. Yeah. One. I probably don't have the answers, but... Is he an... Is Pinky Malinky... Is he an anthropomorphic hot dog? In a human world. Yes. Is he the only hot dog? I think he's the only only hot dog. He is yes. the only hot dog. Does he have parents? Do you know? Ooh. 
That is a good question. Are they both hot dogs? That's my question. All right. I'm gonna, we're going to let her interrupt. That's pretty good. In, yeah. We should think Google about that. that. Um, um, somebody did tell me the show is awful and they hate it and they hope it burns in a fire. Okay. Um, does he know he's a hot dog? Do other people I, know he's a hot dog? I think everybody knows he's a hot dog. Is this is, not we're a not surprise? Playing, like, it sounds like we're playing like a quiz, like a, <laughs> like a charades type game yeah. right now. <laughs> I know. Like I'm trying to guess something. Um, uh, Retta is Mrs. Malinke. Okay. Apparently. So there's, oh, so Retta plays his mother who may or may not be. Uh, also I a hot dog. They want us to tune in and find okay. out. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I might. I might. If be you've okay. watched Pinky Milky, you could just email us these answers. Yeah. Okay. Please just you know what? If, if you if you <laughs> if you have suffered through this already, and you just want to save yeah, us the trouble us and just let us know, and we will we will disseminate that information on our multiple <laughs> social media feeds. Um, the other one that I want to point out from Netflix is called the Who Was Show. Oh, and, yeah, um, Beth was telling And us Beth told this. us about this, which is, you know, I started looking at it. It was, looked really fun. So the show is based on the Who Was series of books published since 2002. Um, so this is a sketch comedy and history program on Netflix in which Andy Daly's character, Ron, interacts with a group of teenagers. Um, it is interspersed with historical vignettes narrated by H. John Benjamin. Um, it basically seems like drunk history minus the drunk part multiplied by clone high. Oh, I love all those things. I know you do. So <laughs> each episode um, jam-packed with improv, music videos, and animation features an array of sketches built around an unlikely pair of historical figures. So recent combinations have included Isaac Newton and Amelia Earhart, Susan B. Anthony and Frida Kahlo, and Genghis Khan and George Washington Carver. Oh, my God. So is I this, think we would like this. I feel like it, too. Is it live action? Um, yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And um, so moving along, TV shows that have been recommended that are for anyone. So TVG, anybody can watch them. Um, there's a show on PBS Kids called Pinkalicious and Peterific. Okay. Um, it is based on the Pinkalicious books by Victoria Kahn and Elizabeth Kahn. I do remember these. And the show is designed to encourage preschool age children to explore the arts and develop their creativity. Um, Pinkalicious Pinkerton is an imaginative young girl who loves the color pink more than anything else, as well as soccer painting and using her creativity. Great. Her younger brother, Peter Pinkerton, likes riding a scooter, playing with blocks, and tagging along on Pinkalicious's adventures. So um, it's a TVG show. I like it could be TVY, but it's rated TVG. So, uh -huh. you know, Everybody can anybody watch can watch it. The other TVG show I wanted to point out is on Disney, and this one comes up a trivia a lot, actually, too, is Phineas and Ferb. Oh, yeah. There's 104 days of summer vacation. Oh, my gosh. I'm taken back immediately to 2004. Yeah. <laughs> so the show's been on since 2007. Um, it's an animated musical comedy television series that follows Phineas Flynn and his stepbrother Ferb Fletcher on summer vacation. So often these adventures involve elaborate, life-size, and ostensibly dangerous construction projects, which annoy their controlling sister Candace, who frequently tries to reveal their shenanigans to their parents. Uh, the series follows a standard plot system. Running gags occur every episode, and the B-plot almost always features Phineas and Ferb's pet platypus, Perry the Platypus, mm. working as a spy named Agent P for the <laughs> OWCA. 
the organization without a cool acronym. Like I LOL'd when I read this. I was like, that's such a good joke. So um, he is always trying to defeat the latest scheme of Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz, a mad scientist driven largely by a need to assert his evilness, though he is not especially evil and has a good heart in some situations. So the two plots intersect at the end to erase all traces of the boys' project just before Candace can show it to their mother. Mm. This usually makes Candace very mad. Uh, Ferb rarely speaks more than once in an episode. So if you're getting like dialogue, it's probably from Phineas in that situation. Okay. Uh, The creators, Dan Povenmire and Jeff Swampy Marsh, had previously worked (laughs) together on The Simpsons and Nickelodeon's Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. Uh, Phineas and Ferb was conceived after Povenmire sketched a triangular boy, the prototype for Phineas, in a restaurant. Um, Povenmire and Marsh developed the series concept together and pitched it to networks for 16 years before securing a run on the Disney Channel. Wow. But it's been on for like 11 years now. It's very popular. Phineas and Ferb. I have heard of that. People like it. All right. Okay. Two more things I want to tell you. Please. TV PG shows. Okay. These need parents. But so they're not especially for kids. They're cartoons. They look like they might be for kids. But they are not especially not, for children. Not especially for children. So okay. Steven Universe oh, yeah. on the Cartoon Network. So um, this aired from 2013 and 2019 is its final season. So it's the coming of age story of a young boy named Steven Universe who lives with the crystal gems, magical humanoid aliens named Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl in the fictional town of Beach City. Um, Steven is half gem. His mother is Rose Quartz, but she gave up her physical form to allow Steven to be born. So so um, he has adventures with his friends and helps the gems protect the world from their own kind. Mm-hmm. And the themes of the series include love, family, and the he- importance of healthy interpersonal relationships. This is notable because it is Cartoon Network's first animated show created solely by a woman named oh. Rebecca Sugar. So this is like the first like lady-run show on Cartoon Network, which is, is Steven Universe. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people our age who are super into Steven Universe. Yeah. And apparently it has a very um, intricate and uh, mm, mature uh, explorations of LGBTQ um, topics and that kind of thing. And that's why people really like it. Yeah. Because it's very identifiable and people really enjoy the story. Apparently the Mm -hmm. storylines are really like lush and beautiful and... Like I, one of my friends, I remember posting on Facebook was like, it's the Steven universe finale. And I sobbed and sobbed. Like, apparently it's like legit. Oh, um, and then finally, last one I want to talk about, and we probably all know this one by now is adventure time on cartoon. Oh, Network. Yes. So this was on from 2010 to 2018. The series follows the adventures of a boy named Finn and his best friend and, again, adoptive brother, Jake the dog, who has the magical power to change shape and size at will. Um, So Finn and Jake live in the post-apocalyptic land of Ooh, that's three O's, um, where they interact with Princess Bubblegum, the Ice King, Marceline, the Vampire Queen, BMO, who is a sentient video game console-shaped robot that lives with Finn and Jake, Mm, and others. Um, So... The series draws inspiration um, from like a variety of sources, including um, Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. um, other video games, other fairy tales. So despite being aimed primarily at children, it has developed the following among teenagers and adults. Oh, so, yeah. That Adventure Time is another TV PG show. I remember Adventure Time, I think, started off on the Internet. And uh, I remember watching episodes in college mm. because a lot of my guy friends were super into Adventure Time. Um, and I remember Jake the dog has like these weird, creepy black eyes and he grows and shrinks yeah. and all sorts of stuff. 
Sorry, I've been told that it's not BMO, it's BMO. BMO, BMO. Okay. As you can Thank tell, you. I, this is not one of the shows. <laughs> not, not one of the shows. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You can't watch them all, Jewel. <laughs> yeah. I only have so much you time. Have, and it, you work a 40-hour week. <laughs> um, and finally, I have a little sidebar. Um, so some of the shows I mentioned have... Um, They've gotten a little criticism for their animation okay. in years in recent years. So there's uh, some people claim that many modern cartoons suffer supposedly from a disease called CalArts style. Oh. So CalArts is the better known name for the California Institute of the Arts, which is an art school in Valencia, California. And the school has produced animators of many popular TV shows um, for years and years. But in the late 2010s, it became somewhat notorious for teaching a signature animation style also called thin line animation that can be found in popular TV shows like Adventure Time, Steven Universe, and Gravity Falls. Okay. Um, so this has led to the backlash from animation fans because some have criticized the style for being very lazy and for saturating pop culture. Uh, many fans of Western animation have griped about the simplistic design of these cartoons, which all seem to feature round eyes, noodly arms, bean-shaped heads, and mouths like worms. Um, in 2018, <laughs> the internet got mad at the announcement for Thundercats Roar, the upcoming Cartoon Network reboot of the classic 1980s sword and sorcery cartoon mm-hmm. that featured feline humanoid aliens as you remember Mm -hmm. Um, so fans complain about how this newer more humorous take on Thundercats was drawn not in the realistic style of the original show but rather Cal Art style so basically there are trends in animation that grow and change over time Um, so right now this Cal Art style means whatever the current general direction of animation happens to be Um, just you know it's based on a few influencers in the industry who happen to just be from Cal Arts Um, and this is summarized pretty well by a Twitter user um, at Cayenne World um, from May 18th, 2018. Uh, 1960s, WTF, this cartoon looks like Flintstones. 1970s, WTF, this cartoon looks like Scooby-Doo. 1980s, WTF, this cartoon looks like shit. 1990s, WTF, this cartoon looks like Ren and Stimpy. 2000s, WTF, this cartoon looks like anime. And 2010s, WTF, this cartoon looks like CalArts. So you'll see some people criticize, you know, because some of them, do kind of look a little similar. You might confuse them if you've seen just sure, the if you just saw the them. characters and didn't know anything um, about the show. Yeah, they they do kind of look a little similar based on. Yeah, but I mean, like I mean, uh, Thundercats and um, yeah, exactly. Thundercats and uh, like you know, um, Harvey Birdman made yeah. fun of that, and uh, what is it called, Archer? Yeah, like all of those cartoons from like the sixties. Um, 60s and 70s had that kind of like very stiff, very masculine, like mm-hmm. real quote unquote realistic quality too. Yeah. And like, I'm sure people complained about it then, like that guy said yeah. on Twitter. So <laughs> it's just like, people are always going to complain no matter what. Yes. So that's, that's all the television, Yay! current state of children's television that I wanted to to talk about. That was excellent. Um, hopefully some of this was helpful for some people who don't have time to sit down yeah. and watch all these shows. I certainly don't. But um, yeah, it's like what's what's good these days. Exactly. Great. I love it. Thanks, Jewel. So my quiz is called TVMA. Okay. This is a quiz featuring television sitcom mothers. Question one. Jo Marie Payton started her TV career as an elevator operator on the show Perfect Strangers. Her performance was so well received by audiences that she was given her own sitcom in 1989 as the matriarch of a Chicago family. On what show did Payton get to smooch the cop from Die Hard and reprimand an archetypical nerd? 
Question two. Kitty Foreman, the quirky mother of Eric and Lori and wife of Red on Fox's That 70s Show, held what noble profession? Question three. The actress who played capri pant-wearing mother Laura Petrie for five years on The Dick Van Dyke Show later moved on to the City of Lakes to star in her own successful eponymous sitcom. Name that actress. Question four. The lines are a bit blurred here. Joanna Kearns played Maggie Seaver for seven seasons on which ABC sitcom, where she returned to the workforce while her husband worked from home, raising their three, no, four children? Question five. Constance Wu is no-nonsense Taiwanese mother Jessica Huang on ABC's Fresh Off the Boat, which premiered in 2015. Notably, this show is the first American television sitcom starring an Asian-American family to air on American network primetime since 1994's All-American Girl, a sitcom starring which comedian? Question six. I don't think so, Tim. Patricia Richardson endured so much masculine nonsense as Jill Taylor on the ABC sitcom Home Improvement. Name all three actors who played her sons, Brad, Randy, and Mark, each of whom went by first, middle, and last names. Question seven. Love American Style was an anthology comedy television series produced by Paramount Television that originally aired between 1969 and 1974. On February 25th, 1972, the show aired an episode with a segment titled Love and the Television Set, a story about Richie Cunningham and family where actress Marion Ross played Richie's mom. Something must have clicked because this episode jumpstarted an 11 season run of which classic sitcom? Question eight. I guess the licensing fee was too much. Around Halloween in 2017, someone discovered that you could buy a generic sounding and non-copyright infringing supportive burger wife costume if you were planning to dress up as which um, supportive burger wife and mother of three from an animated sitcom. Question nine. Isabel Sanford played Louise, the original Wheezy, in the second longest running American series with a primarily African-American cast. Spun off from All in the Family after George's dry cleaning business helped them to move on up and away from the bunkers. For her talents on what show did Isabel Sanford become the first African-American actress to win the Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series? And finally, question 10. She was the boss of everyone, really. Jane Kaczmarek played the stubborn and hot-headed mother Lois, married to a pre-baking bad Brian Cranston on Malcolm in the Middle for seven years. What alternative rock band and fan of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse recorded the theme to Malcolm in the Middle, which garnered them a Grammy in 2002? We'll give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers. Life is like a Solve a mystery or rewrite history. DuckTales, every day that I've been making DuckTales, tales of daring, do that and DuckTales. The, the, the danger, watch behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. What to do? I'm feeling pretty good about this, actually. I'm TV, feeling pretty baby? Good. Yeah, I really love TV. Much to my father's chagrin. <laughs> but I have been a fan of television for a very for, long time. For many years. Oh, my God, many years, yes. <laughs> All right, question one. 
Jo Marie Payton started her TV career as an elevator operator on the show Perfect Strangers. Her performance was so well received by audiences that she was given her own sitcom in 1989 as the matriarch of a Chicago family. On what show did Payton get to smooch the cop from Die Hard and reprimand an architectural nerd? That's Family Matters. It is Family Matters. Yeah, Sarah and I really loved Family oh, Matters. Yeah. Um, she starred as Harriet Winslow, the matriarch of the Winslow family, on the ABS slash CBS sitcom Family Matters, which ran from 1989 to 1998, though she left after the eighth season and was replaced during the last and ninth season by actress Judy Ann Elder. Uh, question two. Kitty Foreman, the quirky mother of Eric and Lori and wife of Red on Fox's That 70s Show, held what noble profession? Uh, I don't know. Was she a teacher? She was a nurse. She was a nurse. Yes. Damn it. I did not watch that show very much. Oh, okay. Uh, Kitty and her distinctive voice were played by Deborah Jo Rupp for 200 episodes. And she also played Phoebe Buffay's sister-in-law, Alice, on Friends for three seasons. Oh, uh, yes. I do remember that. Question three. The actress who played Capri Pant-wearing mother, Laura Petrie, for five years on The Dick Van Dyke Show, later moved on to the City of Lakes to star in her own successful eponymous sitcom. Name that actress. Uh, that is the beautiful and incomparable Mary Tyler Moore. It is, of course, Mary Tyler Moore. Um, she won two Emmys for her time on The Dick Van Dyke Show and four Emmys for The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Question four. The lines were a bit blurred here. Joanna Kearns played Maggie Seaver for seven seasons on which ABC sitcom where she returned to the workforce while her husband worked from home, raising their three, no, four children? Is this married with children? It is not married with children. Oh, I don't remember. What is it? This is Growing Pains. Growing Pains. So from this show, oh. you got Alan Thick. You have Kirk Cameron. Yes. You have Tracy Gold. Yes. Um, and also Growing Pains is not Family Ties, which I confuse frequently. Yeah. Um, toward the end of the series, the Seavers took in a homeless teen named Luke, played by a little known actor named Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, I do remember this because my sister and I also watched a lot of Growing Pains. <laughs> Uh, the Seaver family was Seavers, growing pains. Yes. Yeah. Question five. Constance Wu is no-nonsense Taiwanese mother Jessica Huang in ABC's Fresh Off the Boat, which premiered in 2015. Notably, this show is the first American television sitcom starring an Asian-American family to air on network primetime since 1994's All-American Girl, a sitcom featuring what comedian? That's Margaret Cho. It is Margaret Cho. Um, All-American Girl starred Cho as the rebellious teenage daughter of a traditional Korean-American family. Uh, Cho received heavy criticism for All-American Girl from the general public, uh, from critics, and from Asian viewers. Uh, but footage from the show made a brief appearance in Fresh Off the Boat, which takes place in the 1990s. So in that scene, like someone is watching all-American Girl and basically making fun of it. Oh, really? But it's funny, like the timing. <laughs> yeah. Question six. I don't think so, Tim. Patricia Richardson endured so much masculine nonsense as Jill Taylor on the ABC sitcom Home Improvement. Named all three actors who played her sons, Brad, Randy, and Mark, each of whom went by first, middle, and last names. Okay. Yeah. You got, <laughs> you got Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. You got Zachary Ty Bryan. Yep. You have, uh, can you give me a first name? Starts with a T. Uh, Taylor, no. Um, oh, man. Tyler, no. <laughs> Is it Tyler? No, no. Um, oh, God. Tanner. <laughs> I'm trying to think of 90s. It's names. not a real name. Like, it's, it's not a not real an, name. It's not anything that we oh, would recognize. Oh, what is it again? Taryn Noah Smith. Oh, I wasn't going to get that. I wasn't going to get that. Yeah. That's the so, eldest boy, isn't it? The no, blonde one? Brad was Zachary Ty Bryant, the eldest yes. one. Then Randy was. The middle Jonathan one. Taylor Jonathan Thomas, the Taylor middle Thomas, one. And the then sexy Mark, one. the youngest one, was Tara Noah Smith. He's the one that like went goth toward the end of the show. Yeah, and he yeah. like and actually in real life he was like a drug addict or something. Ugh. Yeah. 
least I heard. I love that's what Home I Improvement so much. That's a show that, like, in reruns, I will just... Oh, see, I loved it, but in current time, I cannot watch it. Uh, it does not hold up, I feel. But, you know, love that's... It. It's a I love that, thing. and I love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Starring, oh, Sabrina the Teenage um, Witch was great. Clarissa, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Question seven: Love American Style was an anthology comedy television series produced by Paramount Television, airing between 1969 and 1974. On February 25th, 1972, the show aired an episode with a segment titled "Love in the Television Set," a story about Richie Cunningham and family, where actress Marion Ross played Richie's mom. Something must have clicked because this episode jump-started an 11-season run of which classic sitcom? It's happy days. It is happy days. Uh, this episode of Love American Style would later be recognized as a de facto pilot for happy days. Uh, for syndication, they instead changed the name of the segment from Love and the Television Set to Love and the Happy Days. Mm. Happy Days, in turn, launched an extensive franchise of spinoffs into oh, yeah. the 1980s. Ready? Yes. It resulted in seven different spinoff series, Holy including cow. two that were animated. These included Laverne and Shirley. Yes. Blansky's Beauties. Okay, no. Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Out of the Blue. Joni Loves Chachi, yes. The Fonz and the Happy Days Gang, which was animated, and Laverne and Shirley with special guest star The Fonz, which was also animated. That was oh the full God. title. Spinoff pilots that did not succeed included The Ralph and Potsy Show, as uh, well as The Pinky Tuscadero Show. Yeah, I mean, those were characters that really had just one note <laughs> and yeah. really couldn't carry an entire yeah. series, I feel. Question eight, I guess the licensing fee was too much. Around Halloween in 2017, someone discovered that you could buy a generic sounding and non-copyright infringing supportive burger wife costume if you were planning to dress up as which um, supportive burger wife and mother of three from an animated sitcom. Um, it's from Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I've only watched like two episodes of that show and I don't know, I don't love like adult animation. It freaks me out. I feel like I... I don't know when it, when they do like darker themes, I'm just like, mm-hmm. why are children watching this when I know it's not children? Yeah. Um, I don't know her name. Her name is Laverne or like Luann. I'm, I'm hearing H John Benjamin's voice, mm-hmm. like say, like murmur her name. <laughs> and I can't remember what it is. What's her name? Linda, Linda, Linda Belcher, Linda Belcher. Um, so yep. It's Bob's burgers. She's the mother of Tina, Jean and Louise. And she is voiced by John Roberts. Yes. <laughs> yep. Question nine, Isabel Sanford played Louise, the original Wheezy, in the second longest running American series with a primarily African-American cast. Spun off from All in the Family after George's dry cleaning business helped them to move on up and away from the bunkers. For her talents on what show did Isabel Sanford become the first African-American actress to win an Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series? That's the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons. Um, For her role in the series, she earned five Golden Globe Award nominations and seven Primetime Emmy nominations, and she won the Primetime Emmy in 1981. Um, With Jefferson's, in terms of shows with predominantly black casts, only Tyler Perry's House of Pain ran for more episodes, 254. The Jefferson's ran for 253. Um, And Family Matters was number three with 215. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that show was on for a while. And finally, question 10. She was the boss of everyone, really. Jane Kaczmarek played the stubborn and hot-headed mother Lois, married to a pre-breaking bad Brian Cranston, on Malcolm in the Middle for seven years. What alternative rock band and fan of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse recorded the theme song to Malcolm in the Middle, which garnered them a Grammy in 2002? That's They Might Be Giants. It is They Might Be Giants. Yes. They won a Grammy for the theme song to Malcolm in the Middle. I mean, bless uh, Best song written for a motion picture, television, or other visual media. Man, they are all over the television landscape. They might be giants. They, yeah, they've they've come second career. Yeah. You know? I mean, hey. 
If it makes you money and awards, why not? No shame in it. So that's our show, everybody. Yay, that was very good. Thank you, Julia. Awesome. Well, um, if you would like to uh, tell us all about your opinions about these these children's television shows, tell us what you hate. Tell us what you love. Uh, you can email us at uh, misinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at misinfopod. Um, you can also visit our uh, Facebook page, Misinformation colon, a trivia podcast. And also uh, you can visit our website, www.misinfopod.com. Uh, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. Um, please tell a friend and please rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you so much to everybody who's already reviewed. Um, it's really fun to read your comments yeah. and find out what episode kind of turned turned you into fans yeah <laughs> it's funny um but yeah so uh keep keep on listening yeah please do and uh we will catch you next time <laughs> bye, bye.